Please turn your Bibles to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. We are going to continue in verse 17. I'm not going to do a review of verse 16 because we did so much on it. So as I've said before, go on YouTube and watch it. <laughs> right? As we continue on to verses 17 and 18, Colin G. Cruz writes, The verses contain the third and fourth references to the completeness of love found in 1 John. The first is found in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 5, where the completeness of love for God is said to be expressed in obedience to his word. So you get to a place of having the love of God come to a place of maturity in your life, to where you begin to see all of these things happening. The first thing being uh, expressed in obedience to his word. See, keeping God's commandments and doing what God seem, sees as uh, pleasing in his sight is us showing God that we love him and that the love of God is present and working in our life. Amen? Okay. So let me continue reading here. The second is found in 1 John chapter 4 and verse 12, where God's love is said to be made complete in believers when they love one another. So not only is the love of God complete in our life when we do God's will, but also when we love one another. Amen? All right. <clears throat> and here now in 1 John chapter 4, verses 17 and 18, love is said to have completed its work in believers when they can face the day of judgment without fear. So let's read 1 John chapter 4 and verse 17. The Apostle John writes there and he says, Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness, in the day of judgment. And I love how he ends it. He says, because as he is, so are we in this world. That is incredible. We're going to look at that today. All of that today. All right. <clears throat> Firstly, as we've already seen before, John is not suggesting sinless perfection. Everybody, sigh of relief. Okay. <laughs> All right. So he's not looking for sinless perfection. That's not what he means by love being perfected. All right. But rather mature love marked by confidence in the face of judgment. As God's children, we have that confidence that it's going to be okay, that we don't need to worry about dread that final day of judgment, because it will be a day where God actually rewards us. There won't be anything that's going to turn up on the screen <laughs> that's going to embarrass you. I always tell people, man, if you ever think that's going to be the case, 1 John 1, 9, confess your sin. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us of what? All unrighteousness, which means there's nothing left to judge. Amen. So you stand, what can God judge you over? You know, and the devil says, I remember, God says, I don't. <laughs> yeah, but she, I don't know any of that either. It was all under the blood. The cross took care of all of it. Do you understand? This is why, you know, one of the things that we, I want to really bring across to you today is that if we get this revelation, if we begin to understand what God did in Christ for us, that we are in a position right now that we can do impossible things, literally. And those are things impossible by the world standard. You know, also watch out how we use the word impossible because that's only what the world says. Amen. Just like at one point they said it was impossible for man to fly. Well, today, well, today, yeah, it's impossible for them to fly to for a whole other reason, okay? Because they won't allow the aeroplane to land. <laughs> I know, but, you know, today it's not a big deal to fly. Are you all with me? It's kind of like if somebody now said, you know, listen to me. If somebody said today, oh, it's impossible, you'd look at him weird. 
Back then, if you said it's possible for man to fly, they would look at you weird. Isn't it interesting how things change? So, you know, impossible is only a very relative term until somebody does it. Then it's not impossible anymore. <laughs> okay? And with God, guess what? All things are possible. Can I have an amen on that one? Amen. Okay. I'm, I'm going to be doing a, uh, a little, uh, what do you call it, word in season with, on, on that in, in the next week or two. So I hope you'll be blessed by that. All right, <coughs> let's move on. Can I reread this? Okay, John is not suggesting sinless perfection, but rather mature love marked by confidence in the face of judgment. Confidence is a sign that love is mature. In addition to this, William MacDonald also points out, it is not our love that is made perfect, but God's love. Now, let me just, this is really significant, okay? Because it tells us that this isn't the love that we have to produce. This is really significant. I really want, to hear, I want you to hear this because so many times when we preach this, and in fact I know a lot of people have preached this with this condemnation kind of thing on people where they say you have to love and if you don't love you're sinning and all of that sort of stuff. You know what I'm trying to say? Okay? But I want you to get this. What, what this is saying, and I really love this quote because he lets us know that this isn't our love. This is God's love. And listen, God never asks us to do something Unless he first equips us to do it. If he wants us to love with his kind of love, then he's going to equip us with that love and then ask us to use it. Now see, once he equips us, then it becomes, you know, then it's up to us to use it. Can I get an amen on that? That's fair enough. Amen? If he gives you something and he says, now you use that and you don't use it, well then who's to blame? It's you now, okay? <laughs> All right. So let's look at Romans chapter 5. The Apostle Paul writes and he says, now hope does not disappoint, because, the, listen, the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. I want you to see two things there. There are two gifts there. <laughs> Did you notice? One was the gift of the Holy Spirit. The second one was the love of God that had been poured into our hearts through Him. Amen. So when you receive the Holy Spirit, He comes with the love of God and He pours that love into our hearts. That is the love that we are to walk in. It is, not a un, you know, it is not a natural love. It is a supernatural love. I said this to you before, and let me just share this in a different way now. Once the Spirit of God comes upon you, once that love is poured into your heart, understand something that whenever you... See, this is why prayer is so important. Whenever you go into the prayer closet, whenever you start to pray, who are you, you, know, uh, uh, who are you fellowshipping with? I didn't want to say who are you praying to. Who are you fellowshipping with? Because prayer really is fellowship. Who are you fellowshipping with? You're fellowshipping with God. What, you know, what did the Apostle John say one verse before this? That God is love. So you fellowship with love. And the more time you spend in the presence of love, the more love will begin to develop. And in fact, can I say this? The love that's already there will begin to strengthen. See, it's not something that you don't have and you're trying to get every time you're with God. It's something that's already in you that will be energized by God when you spend time in His presence. It's kind of like you just plug something into a, a socket, you know. It's got all the mechanism to work, but it needs power. Are you all with me? So the Holy Spirit comes in with the love of God, places it in your heart, and then it is up to you to fellowship with God. And guess what? You know, do you all, we all know that the Holy Spirit is God as well, right? <laughs> Do we, do we know that? Okay, all right. All right. <laughs> and because he is God, what is happening? God is meeting with God. 
God the Father is meeting with the part of God that is in you, that, the, that is the Holy Spirit. Are you all with me? And so there is a love that begins to generate in that time. That's why, you know, when you come out of your prayer closet, you should come out with a kind of a love and then a confidence all around you. you it should be that you... <laughs> I don't know how else to put this, but you come out feeling like I can do all things through Christ and strengthen me. Where is it? <laughs> okay, where is the problem? Give me a problem. I need something to conquer. <laughs> because you just come out with that because God says, I'll look after everything. Because you, have, you were still and you acknowledge him as God. You know, be still and know that I'm God, okay? And you understand that whatever problems you're facing in your life, he can look after it if you let him. Amen. Amen. Okay, I'm digressing. Let me just pull back in here now. But that's what happens in that time when you're with God. And I also want you to understand that the love that he wants you to walk in is the love that he's already supplied you with, not something you have to come up with. Are you all getting this? Okay, because if, if you catch a hold of this, then you'll begin to understand that you don't have to try to develop something in your life. All you have to do is let it work. Amen. Okay. And as to this love being perfected among us, okay, it refers to that state of mind and being in which the believer finds themselves when the love of God within them has accomplished that which God fully intends it to accomplish. Oh, hallelujah. Did you all get that? There is a point when God's love accomplishes what it needs to accomplish in your life. And it brings you to a place in your mind, in your spirit, in your being, that I don't know how else to put it, but it's extraordinary. You will walk in a certain kind of love, and because of that, because the love is so great, because you know that God loves you so much that He won't allow anything to happen to you, that kind of love, that there is a confidence about you, and you don't have to fight for anything in your life because God is doing all the fighting for you. A thousand may fall at one side and ten thousand at the other, but nothing will come near you. You know what I'm trying to say? Okay, you just know that because you're God's kid, God won't allow it. And the thing is that that's the reason why we don't run around and wring our hands around and go, God, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? Because God's going, I've got it. Just don't, don't run out. <laughs> Have you seen those movies where they say, whatever you do, okay, you know, don't run out of this circle. You all seen these movies, right? You all know somebody runs out, right? Some, some dummy wants to run out because they freak out. Because they say, they say don't, don't worry about <laughs> whatever you see, whatever comes at you, just stay in here because it's safe in here. Do you all, you know, you know, you know what I'm talking about? <clears throat> Okay. Where is that in the Bible? Well, we saw that if you're in the light as he is in the light. Remember? John, 1 John chapter 1. Okay? He talks about staying in the light. He talks about not running out of the light. And you know, <laughs> what all you need to do, and this is what the devil does, all the devil can do is come at you like a roaring lion. Because he's not, all his teeth have been pulled. Okay? He just comes at you, you know, like the shadows in the wall. He comes at you like a roaring lion, and if he can scare you, and if you jump out of that circle, you're in trouble. Are you all with me? So the idea is to know, stay in the circle. Stay in that circle of light. Stay in the light. Because if you are in the light, as he is in the light, then the enemy cannot touch you. But if you leave, and if you depart that place of light then you are in darkness and you are in his territory. Don't say to God and don't blame God then when things go wrong because he'll say, why did you jump out of the light? Are you all with me? Amen? Amen. Why did I go there? I don't know. Anyway, let's, <laughs> let's get back to this. <coughs> in this completeness, did I read the other thing? 
yes. Okay. It is this completeness that leads to confidence in the day of judgment, which according to Colin G. Cruz, arises within the love relationship believers have with God. I've talked about this before. It, because you have a relationship, a love relationship with God, you will not dread that final day. In fact, you will be looking forward to it. Because I know how many, you know, I don't know how many people have, have sort of have had this attitude. You know, they're spending time with God in prayer. And you know one of the things that their heart desires? God, the day that I can actually see you face to face. Amen. That I can talk to you without this veil, without having to, you know, I'm in the natural, you're in the spirit, <laughs> okay? And have this separation. If I could just say hello, if I could just give you a hug, if I could just, you know, whatever, okay? You just have that kind of a, a longing to be there. See, that's because of the love that you have for him and the love he has for you. And you experience that. And can you see, that, that's why for us the day of judgment isn't really a day of judgment. It's a day of hallelujah, thank God that is over with. Okay, we made it, we're here. Praise the Lord. <laughs> right? And that should be, see, the apostles, and this is something else I was, I was going to talk about, that the apostles always lived their life that way. The apostles never lived their life from day to day, you know, about, it wasn't to them, it wasn't about, you know, how can uh, I sort of, I guess, find the best way of living my life for me. They were always looking for, God, how do you want me to live my life that will please you? That was their primary concern. See, that's where the day of judgment keeps coming. And the thing is that for them, they wanted to do their very best in every area of life so that when they got to heaven, they say, God, I did my very best. This was my best. Are you all with me? Amen. And remember again that it is all the things that you are led by the Spirit to do. Don't do things just because they're good. Do things because God has led, them, uh, led you to them. That's the difference between good and God. You all know the difference. I don't need to. Okay. All right. Good. All right. Let's move on. <clears throat> so this goes back to um, what the Apostle John said right at the beginning in 1 John chapter 1 and verse 3. In fact, when he says, and truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. But not only is God's love perfected in us so that we have confidence on, on judgment day, as we continue to fellowship with God, but something else of tremendous significance takes place in our life, brought out at the end of 1 John chapter 4 and verse 17, and that is, as he is, so are we in this world. This is something incredible. To answer the pri our primary objection to this statement, which is, how can anyone hope to be like Christ when none of us are perfect? Have we all had that objection? Okay, how can we ever hope to be like him be since none of us are perfect. Because, you know, when man fell, you all know this, that his body was made from the earth. When the earth was cursed, so was everything that was made from it. Do you all know that? Okay, all right. That's the reason why our body has such an issue. That's the reason why we need a resurrection body, which, hallelujah, thank God, we'll get. <laughs> okay? But that, this is not it. Amen. Okay. And so whatever struggles you're having right now, you won't have it later. It'll be a perfect body, all right? But right now, one, the one thing that God did, which we couldn't do anything about, was that he recreated our spirit, that we are a new creation. Our soul was up to us. We need to renew our mind. We need to do all the things. See, our... No, that's going to take too long. Man is spirit, soul, and body. The spirit was perfectly restored. Okay? Back to a place of perfection, okay, would be the way to say it. The soul is on a journey, 
the body needs to be trained. <laughs> because it will just go do all the wrong things if you let it. Amen. All right. But the thing is that that's the reason why you need to renew your mind. Remember the Apostle Paul talked about it in uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 2, that this is how we get into God's good, acceptable, and perfect will, through the renewing of the mind, because that transforms us. Okay. And so that transformation takes place to the, and w when you come to the place where your spirit and your soul are working together, then they can take care of the body. Okay. The body won't do crazy things. It will, it will keep you safe. Can I say that? Okay. <clears throat> Why did I say all of that? I don't know. Let me just, let me continue. Uh, oh yeah, so are we in this world, <laughs> okay? So the, the thing that I was talking about <clears throat> was that again, the primary objection is how can we hope to be, you know, perfect or be like Christ when none of us are perfect? And, we, and I've said here, we are all guilty of sin in one form or another. To which William MacDonald writes, he said, Our sins were judged at the cross of Calvary. Therefore, we are beyond the reach of condemnation. Please get this now. This is a really important point. This is answering the question, how can we, listen, how can we be like Christ when none of us are perfect? The answer is, cross paid for everything amen that's why if you confess your sin he is faithful and just because of the cross to forgive you of your sin and cleanse you of all unrighteousness that's why we can live in a state of perpetual listen you can live let me put it a different way you can live in perfect righteousness all the days of your life even when you sin did you get that okay because it takes a moment in time to switch that around. Do you know how frustrating that is to the devil? That all the plans that he makes for you, all the things that he works out to get you to do something wrong, and in one moment you switch, you flip the switch and it all goes away. Because if, it, if you are cleansed, cleansed of all unrighteousness, there's nothing left to convict you with. There's nothing there. Amen? We don't get this. See, we allow the devil to come and torment us through our memories. And God's going, what? It's under the blood. Did you ask for forgiveness? Yes. Well, it's done. Yeah, but I don't feel like it. It doesn't matter how you feel. We walk by faith, not by feelings. <laughs> okay? It is a done deal. And that's the reason why once we get that revelation, we can walk in that kind of perfection all the days of our life. So that's where we can be like him. That's where, you know, as the Apostle John said, as he is, so are we in this world. We can walk in that kind of perfection because of these promises of God in our life. Amen? Let me continue because i got more stuff to, and I need to, I'm, I'm running out of time here. Okay, <laughs> let, let me be quick. So, <clears throat> Romans chapter 8 and verse 1, I really love this verse. Remember again that William MacDonald says that our sins were judged at, the, judged at the cross of Calvary. Therefore, we are beyond the reach of condemnation. And that's what the Apostle Paul means when he says in Romans 8.1, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I want you to listen to that. Romans 8.1, it says, uh, we got that on there? Okay, Romans 8.1, it says, there, there is now what? No condemnation. Are you in Christ? Uh, that's a yes. <laughs> this is the right answer, okay? Listen, there is now no condemnation. To those who are in Christ. So whenever condemnation comes on you, that's the 
time to go to Romans 8.1 and say, I'm in Christ. I rebuke this condemnation in the name of Jesus and move on. Don't sit there and think about it. Move on. Amen? All right, let me continue because I have a page and a half to go and I got five minutes to do it in. But not only are we beyond the reach of condemnation, but in his commentary, John MacArthur brings out another aspect of as he is so are we in this world by saying that just as Jesus was God's son in whom he was well pleased on earth, this is another amazing truth, we also are God's children and the objects of his gracious goodness. Remember that was in 1 John 3, 1, okay? If Jesus called God Father, so may we, since we are accepted in the Beloved. That's in Ephesians 1, 6. This is something else that as he is, so are we in this world. He was God's son in this world. He was a son that God said of whom he was well pleased. Remember that? Amen. And you know what? That is the same testimony he has about you. And in order for you to stay in that place, all you need to do is whenever you slip up, is confess your sin. Acknowledge your sin because he's faithful and unjust to put you back in that place of I'm well pleased with you. <laughs> okay? And that's all you need to do. And th that's something that we need to get a revelation of. Now, let me continue on because, in fact, the Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 8, verses 16 and 17. Romans chapter 8, verses 16 and 17. He says, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. So that's a spirit-to-spirit -spirit thing, okay? He says the Spirit himself bears witness with what? Our spirit. What does it bear witness of? That we are the children of God. That's the first thing you need to get. And then verse 17, I really love this. And if children, okay, and you are, <laughs> okay? If children, he says, then heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. Oh, hallelujah. Are you getting this? This is how we are in this earth like him. We are heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Do you know what an heir is? It's a person that comes into, you know, <laughs> whenever somebody passes away, if you are the heir, you get everything that they had. Amen. How much stuff does God have? A lot. <laughs> okay. Notice it said the first thing, it said that you are heirs and then it begins with you are heirs of God. Hallelujah. Are you getting this? As he is, so are we in this world. Thank God he didn't say, as he is, so we will be when we die. Did you get the difference? He's saying, right now, as he is, I want to look at one more scripture to do with this. As he is, so are we. As he is, not as he was. Not as he was that, you know, suffering Christ that was on the cross and everything else. But as he is right now at the right hand of God. As God himself. So are we in this world. Do you understand something here? Do you understand the position that we're in? We will see that when we get to Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to get there today. We have to. All right, so let me move on. He says, that, <laughs> and if children, then heirs, heirs of God, join us with, with Christ. Now watch, if indeed we suffer with him, listen, and people get stuck there. They don't go on. They say, yes, brother, that's us. We're suffering. What happened to all the heirs of God stuff just before it? Why do we focus on the suffering when God said, everything that belongs to me belongs to you? 
So if you go through any suffering, do you know what the suffering is? Yes, brother. That's the eye ache. That's the foot ache. That's the ache in my back or in my neck, which is my mother. No, <laughs> okay, no, no, no. All right, all right. The real pain in the neck. You know? <laughs> no, <laughs> that's, you know, listen to me. The suffering that we go through is when we have to be patient. When we have to suffer long, when, when God says love that person in spite of their attitude, in spite of all the things. Remember Jesus said, love those, you know, pray for those who, who, who use you and spitefully use you and all of that stuff. Remember all of those things? Okay, that's the suffering. It's not physical suffering. It is that kind of suffering where we need to put up with people because God wants everybody saved. And we can't just curse them all out and watch them all die. Like, you know, do you remember James and John when they went into the Samaritan, I think it was the Samaritan village, went one of the villages anyway, and they didn't welcome them. And they said to Jesus, call down fire from heaven, kill them all. How dare they? Don't they not know the ministry that we are? <laughs> okay, you healed everybody. What is this? Just kill him, Jesus. Just let him know. Jesus is like, hey, hey, man, we're here to save him, not kill them all off. That's suffering. Do you understand? And, and those two had to learn because they were the sons of thunder. You know, <laughs> okay? There's the God of thunder. That's not Thor, okay? Th these are the kids, no? <laughs> right? These are the <laughs> sons of thunder. These guys, if you look to them funny, they will belt you. Yes, sweet old John, the apostle of love, wasn't that when he started out. Ooh, him and his brother were like, <laughs> if they ever found out about Judas, you'd find a piece here and a piece there. They'd go, we don't know where Judas was. Oh, look, there's a hand. There's a <laughs> okay? They would have pushed him off a cliff and said, we don't know what happened. Have you seen Judas? Mm, I haven't seen Judas. Have you? No. No idea. That's who they were. Listen, is it interesting that he's the one that wrote the epistle of John, that he's identified as the apostle of love? Isn't it interesting? Amen? There's, there's hope for all of us. Amen? Amen. Let's continue. So I was talking about if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also, watch, be glorified together. God is coming back for a glorious church, not a suffering church. Even though there may be things in our life that we go through that are temporary suffering, and they always should be temporary family. It should never be a long-term thing. Are you all here? All right, that's why I, it concerns me sometimes. Nobody in this, you know, in our church, thank God. But there are Christians out there that, you know, they're always being persecuted. All the time they're going through something. That's not God. You may go through something, but you should be glorified at the other end. They say, well, I'm like Job. Well, then if you're like Job, you shouldn't, your, your affliction shouldn't, A, last more than nine months. And B, you should come out the wealthiest person on the planet. So let's see, how long have you been going for? Well, brother, it's been years. Well, you're not, not like Job. Number two, are you expecting to come out you know, the wealthiest person? No, no, brother. If I just have enough, well, then don't, don't compare yourself with that man. <laughs> okay? Because that's what Job was. You know, people use Job for their whole life. That was just nine months of his life. You all know how long it takes to have a baby? Nine months, that's how long Job had went through bad stuff. Nine months, not nine years. Not 90 years, nine months, not even a year. And he came out the other side with twice as much as what he had to begin with. Isn't that interesting? God doubled everything that Satan took away from him. Okay, 
All right. <sighs> Back to this. All right. <laughs> Not only are we God's children with all the benefits that accompany it, but remember again, the Apostle John himself had already said in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 2, he said, Beloved, now we are children of God. Remember that? But let me continue. Listen. And it has not yet re been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when He is revealed, we shall be like Him. We see Him. You know, when we get to heaven, this is the other reason why we should have confidence. We should be excited. Can I say it that way? All right. When we hit heaven, one of the things that's going to happen is as soon as we see Him, we're going to recognize Him that was in us. And suddenly all of the things that we have trouble with are going to change in an instant. Did you know that? That there is going to be a, a recognition. There is going to be, uh, what was the word I was looking for? A resonance. That, you know, you suddenly go, I get it now. I, you know, it's like that revelation that's trying to work its way up. And you're thinking, what is it, God? What are you trying to tell me? I have those moments, okay? And I think, God, I know. I, I, as far as I'm concerned, I've got everything. And he goes, you haven't got everything. There's something else. And I go, well, what is it? Tell me, okay? And because we're in this, this body, in this fleshly body, it takes a little while sometimes for the thing to birth. Some days you need to go to sleep. You know, your conscious mind just gets in the way. But you know, when that suddenly comes up and you go, I see it. I get it. I know what you're trying to tell me. It's going to be like that. When we see him, we're going to go, that's what you've been trying to tell me. That's what I look like. Oh, hallelujah. Did you get that? Amen. When he is revealed, we shall be. This is 1 John 3, 2. We shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. And can I add, and we shall be just like him. Is what it's saying. Amen? Okay. In his commentary, Thomas F. Johnson summarizes it so well. When he writes, being like uh, him means walking as he did. Being a beloved child of God yet unknown by the world. Not practicing sin. This is all the things that we covered in First John. Being righteous, laying down our lives for one another, and being born of God. In all these passages, a direct likeness is drawn between Jesus and the Christian. Did you get that? Between Jesus and the Christian, a direct likeness. Okay? Just like he is, so are we. Okay? Okay. Where was I? All right. Because, uh, uh, because we are like Christ, God's beloved and obedient son... We who are also born of God, loved and obedient, can be confident in the day of judgment. Amen? Because we know whose we are. Did you get that? We are God's children. We have God living in us. We have everything to look forward to. One final thing. Notice that the Apostle John doesn't say as he was, I've said, I mentioned this before, but as he is right now, seated at the right hand of God, so are we in this world. Now, this works perfectly with what the Apostle John, uh, Paul excuse me, says in Ephesians chapter 2. Let's quickly go there and have a look. Verses 4 through 7. We're finishing. Okay. He says, but God who is rich in mercy, because of his great love. Have you, do you notice how God's love keeps coming up everywhere? Okay. <laughs> it's really interesting that everything God does is because of his love. This is the reason why we can have confidence that a God of love isn't looking to condemn all of us, isn't looking to send us to hell the first opportunity he gets. Because love isn't that way. Do you know love looks for every opportunity to save you? Every, every, <laughs> I, I, <laughs> sorry, I, I've got to share this with you really quickly. You know, it's really interesting. Before I had kids, you know, I'd look at some mother protecting their kid, and, you know, the kid would do something naughty, okay? And the mother would go, oh, well, they didn't know what they were doing. Go, they knew what they were doing! 
I know that anyone that don't, you lie. You know, you just get incensed, okay? That was me. I'm so sorry. But I was like that. I was a bad person, okay? All right? So I just go, they knew. I know they know. They just don't give. Stop making excuses, woman. That's the reason why he's like that, okay? <laughs> if, you, if you discipline the kid, he'd, you know, so it wouldn't be this little rat bag over here sort of a thing. Okay? Listen, listen. There was a lesson that I needed to learn there. That's how God is with us. I was taking the place of the devil who says, she knew what she was doing when she did it. I know she knew. Because, you know, I tempted her. But we won't talk about that. Anyway, I, I, knew she, <laughs> I know she knew what she was doing when she did it. God says, no, no, no. You know, I don't know if she really. No, no, no. I know that she. And then Louise goes, oh, my gosh, I did that. You know, because she, she hears the devil carrying on about something and goes, oops, I made a mistake. And she goes, oh, Lord, forgive me. First you're on one night. And suddenly it's all under the blood. And, the, and God goes, well, I don't know what you're talking about. Wouldn't that drive you crazy? Listen, <laughs> that's how God is toward us. Always making excuses for us. Waiting for us to repent. Hurry up and repent. Because the accuser of the brethren is just piling it up right now. And all you have to do is repent and we're done with it. He has nothing he can convict. You know why? Because God says, the cross. Do you know that was Satan's great failure? Was the cross? <laughs> at that point in time, now Jesus went down and did a number on him as well. Colossians tells us that, okay? The humiliation continued. There was a failure at the cross, but a humiliation in hell. Do you all know that? Okay? Two things happened. Everybody likes to talk about the cross. I like to talk about both. I like to talk about the fact that, first of all, Jesus was able to die for all of us and so get to the place where regardless of what we did wrong, we can receive forgiveness for it immediately because of the cross. Amen. But after that, he went down and humiliated the devil, defeated him, made a show of him openly so that he could come up and say to us, not only are your sins forgiven, but all authority has been given to me. Now you go and you do all of these things in my name and they can't stop you. See the two things? We needed both things. Not just the forgiveness, but the power and the authority as well. Amen. Okay. Let's, let's continue here. So he says, But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love, which he loved us. Verse 5. Even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. Where he says, By grace you have been saved. Verse 6. And raised us up together. Watch the next two words. And made us. Oh, next couple of words. Okay. And made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. In other words, that thing we didn't have a choice. We, didn't, we couldn't say, oh God, no, 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 no. I'm not worthy to, be, to sit together. He goes, shut up, you're going up there. There was no choice in where you were placed. Do you know why? That wasn't about you much, as much as it was the devil was going to object to it. And God was saying, no, the price has been paid. This is where they belong now. They are now seated together with me in heavenly places. You, you, so every time they come, see, every time we come at the devil, we should be coming at him from that seated position. Not from down here and the devil's all over us. We should be up there looking down and the devil's under our feet. Amen. Come from a place of power. And he goes into say, verse 7, that in the ages to come, he might show us, uh, show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. And these verses certainly substantiate what the Apostle John said again, and that is, as he is, so are we. Amen? 
This is back in 1 John 4.17. As he is, so are we in this world. Now, uh, what I want to do is do a little transition into verse 18, and then we'll quit because that's where we're going to pick up next time. Even though it's true that in the natural, none of us are nowhere near being like Christ as far as power and perfection goes. Amen. Okay, I can put my hand up on that one. As I, Howard Marshall points out, however, John is stating the characteristic which ought to be found in every Christian or every true Christian, he says. Namely, that he or she is like Jesus. But this is not... Incom incompatible, it's, it's a double negative, I'm sorry. All right, he says, but this is not incompatible with his urging his readers to let the ideal become a reality. Okay, so no matter how impossible it may look, he's saying, don't stop trying. Keep pushing. Amen? Because we have everything going for us. Hallelujah. And the more that this ideal becomes a reality, the more fearless we'll become. With the Apostle jo John going on to say in verse 18, and we're going to look at this next week, where he says, he goes on to say now, he says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Because fear involves torment, but he who fears has not been made perfect in love. Hallelujah. We're going to look at that next time. Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed. It's a powerful verse. Praise God. Father, we just thank you today for all the wisdom.